Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Global Game Podcast. As always, we are your hosts, Sean D and Pablo H. Hey, everyone. And kind of talking about how COVID-19 has impacted the association football or soccer world. So if you recall, our first ever episode was actually what we actually discussed back in August, September, how um, COVID-19 affected the world, and we discussed that. So today we'll be kind of reinforcing what we said and then looking into the 2020-2021 season and how it has continued to impact the soccer world. So it'll be a bit of an information, informative podcast instead of a discuss, the debate one. But stay tuned and we we'll hope you'll learn a lot. So without further ado, we should just, um, in case you guys don't remember, we should just reinforce what we said back in our first episode. So back in March, almost every league shut down as a result of the rise of the pandemic. And the 25th of May, the Belarusian Paraguayan League and the Turkmenistan's League were the only three top-flight national football leagues that were not suspended. So actually, everything was suspended. So one of the first leagues to be suspended was the 2020 Chinese Super League, which was postponed back in January. And in Hong Kong, the 2020 Lunar New Year Cup was canceled on the 23rd of January. So in Europe, um, various knockout matches in the Champions League and the Europa League were played behind closed doors in February and March of 2020. And on March 20, on March 12, 2020, UEFA announced that the elite qualification round of the men and women under 17 and under 19 youth international tournaments had been postponed. So it affected not only the professional world, but... All of football. And the following day, UEFA actually postponed all fixtures for the Champions League, Europa League, and Youth League, which was pretty much postponed until on June 17th, UEFA announced that the Champions League would resume in Portugal and Europa League would resume in Germany in August. And all rounds would be single knockout games instead of two legs, which ended up leading to Bayern Munich winning it all in Portugal. And Sevilla winning it all in Germany. So on March 10th, the first Premier League was actually postponed because a number of Arsenal players made close contact with the Olympiacos owner who had tested positive. And then Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta ended up testing positive. And after that, a couple of British players and Italian players tested positive, which led to on March 13th, English elite football being suspended and the rest of the leagues following suit. So actually, the Bundesliga became the first major European league to return following the pandemic on the 16th of May, and other teams followed suit. La Liga returned on the 11th of June, Premier League on the 17th, and Serie A on the 20th. And as I said, Champions League returned in August, and Europa League returned back in um, Germany. North America had the same effects. On March 12, 2020, the CONCACAF Champions League was suspended with, was suspended with immediate effect. And on the 12th of March, Major League Soccer also suspended for 30 days, which ended up being much longer until they resumed in a bubble-type situation, kind of like how the NBA did, if you are familiar with that. So they actually announced that they'd be, they actually came back on the 8th of July with a mini-tournament, which was called the MLS is Back Tournament at the same complex where the NBA held their games in Orlando, Florida, in the United States. 
and the United then the regular season actually resumed in Edwards home stadiums. Um, July twenty fourth, Liga MX in Mexico actually inaugurated the 2020-2021 Liga MX season, which was dedicated to Mexico's frontline healthcare and medical staff, which is a nice touch. And the Canadian Premier League returned on the 13th of August. And South America had the same effects. On March 12, 2020, Comnebol announced that the Copa Libertadores would be temporarily suspended in Oceania. The New Zealand Football Championship, the Chapman Cup, and the Cape Shepherd Cup were all cancelled. So international football also cancelled everything on March 13th. And yeah, Pablo Kid, I guess you could tell us what leagues were cancelled or which leagues were postponed. Yeah, so the leagues that were cancelled are were the ones in Panama. Um, and this was all starting when the COVID started to spread around the world. So um, the, pan- the league in Panama was cancelled. New Zealand, El Salvador, Guatemala, Belgium, Mauritius, Czech Republic, Belize, India, Netherlands, Argentina, France, and um, both France's first—I uh, mean, men's and women's leagues: Luxembourg, Honduras, Angola, Gibraltar, Gibraltar Kenya. Burkina Faso, Republic of Congo, Ethiopia, Liberia, Spain, Cameroon, Republic of Congo, Belgium, Cyprus, Jamaica, Venezuela, Tahiti, Bangladesh, Malta, Scotland, Wales, Uganda, both men's and women's leagues, Gambia, South Sudan, Mexico, again, both men's and women's leagues. Rwanda, England, Togo, Lebanon, Bosnia, Iraq, North Macedonia, Italy, Botswana, United Arab Emirates, Benin, Ghana, Senegal, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, and Algeria were all canceled um, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And now on to the the leaks that were postponed. Um, South Korea. Faroe Islands, um, Germany, Costa Rica, Estonia, Hungary, Burundi, Czech Republic, Syria, Denmark, um, the German Women's League, Poland, Lithuania, Serbia, Ukraine, Israel, Montenegro, Austria, Albania, Portugal, Bulgaria, Slovenia, Vietnam, Croatia, Greece, Spain, Romania, Turkey, Slovakia, Norway, England, Russia, uh, Republic of Ireland, Switzerland, Iran, Finland, Kazakhstan, Japan, um, MLS, which includes both U.S. and Canada, Japan, Paraguay, um, Qatar, China, Morocco, Tunisia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and the Philippines. Yeah, and I think we should just clarify that in um, England and Italy, the women's leagues were canceled and the men's league actually resumed. That's why you might have heard. Italy and England and both the postponed and cancelled list. So the women's league was cancelled and the men's league was just postponed and continued back in June. And I know we've pretty much addressed all in professional league, but how about you, Pablo, tell us since you play on a a, a team, 
uh, junior team how how it was like on the junior scale. Yeah, so on the junior scale, I have to say, I think it was very tough for a lot of players um, because obviously it's not as um, high level as the professional players. So it's not like they were the government or anyone was determined to bring leagues back um, to playing. Um, so I know in Canada, they were, apart from CPL, which is first, uh, which is professional football, there was no leagues that resumed um, since the start of the pandemic. And I know in, um, I know in many other countries, it was the same case. So I think it was, it was tough for like, some players to keep motivated and just train knowing there wasn't going to be any games anytime soon. So obviously it's, it was, it was tough. And then in Canada, even now, um, there's no more um, training even due to the lockdowns. So it's back to online Zooms. Um, it's it's tough, but, you know, everyone's excited for, you know, the day when games come back, um, especially here. But I know in the U.S. and uh, in Europe too, I know that they're starting to to get back into games and obviously I think the government are I mean the teams are actually um, planning out their schedule or planning out their season so that it's um, only the teams who play in certain uh, areas where the COVID um, cases are low are the teams who are playing and obviously the ones in big cities obviously have less flexibility in that regard. But I know in the U.S., certain states with less cases are allowed to play, whereas others aren't. So I think it really depends on how many cases there are and where. And then obviously that that initiates the, the decisions. Would you say that um, the youth leagues and the league you play in started at the same time as the professional league or it took them more time to actually resume? Well, well, we, uh, our league still haven't started. They just got canceled altogether. But um, in terms of when we got back to training and back on the field, I think it was, it was the same time because that's when, um, that's when they started to find ways take precautions like wearing masks, hand sanitizing, um, before trainings, doing health checks before trainings. I think that's kind of when everyone figured out how they can make it the most safe. And then, so, yeah, I would say every, everyone really started at around the same time as the professionals. Yeah. I think it's also worth noting that collegiate soccer, so in the United States and the NCAA Division One. Well, while they eliminated the team's effect in March, that um, we should note that starting for the 2020-21 season, the Atlantic 10 men's soccer tournament will be reduced from eight teams to four to minimize travel and contamination. The Big East Conference divided into two divisions. The Big South Conference men's soccer tournament was reduced from six teams to four. The Metro Atlantic Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference 
will postpone the start of the league to September 11th rather than August 28th. The Mid-American Conference discontinued the soccer tournaments, and the Southern Conference men's soccer tournaments were reduced from six teams to four. So kind of like you said, depending on where where areas have the most cases, actually places took different precautions. So some leagues in collegiate soccer have been canceled and other leagues have just been postponed or reduced to teams. So I think that's like a common trend across the entire world. We're seeing different um, precautions and different adaptations based off the contamination levels of the country. So there's no unifying way, even in soccer. Yeah. So I think now we should address the 2020-2021 season, which we've been very lucky to have. And like we just said, every country has taken a different approach to whether or not fans are permitted. So let's look at what happened in Europe. So France, initially 5,000 fans have been permitted. The rise in COVID cases prompted a change to a maximum of 1,000. But when France entered a national curfew, fans were barred from games. In Germany, three days before the start of the season, Bundesliga clubs were given the go-ahead to welcome back crowds to a maximum of 20% of stadium capacity. Yet, too many teams weren't able to do so because of safety rules set by the federal state. So the first game of the season, Borussia Dortmund had 9,300 fans. And Bayern Munich and Köln actually didn't have any fans. So different approaches by different teams. Serie A in Italy, teams were allowed at allowed to have a 1,000 fans on the opening weekend. But the decision came so late that many teams were actually able to impose that at the start of the season. But we even see that now. And I'm not too sure, actually, if the situation still is it is because of the cases. In Spain, La Liga had, been, had begun preparing a protocol for fans to return to stadiums with the hope of 30% occupation in the first couple of months of the new season. But that was put on hold indefinitely, and we still see in that to this day, there are no fans in any any La Liga games or any games held in Spain. So we've actually seen teams like Real Madrid move to a separate stadium because they're not anticipated fans anyways. So it's pretty interesting. And in, Buda- and in pretty significant other leagues in Budapest and Hungary, 7,000 people attended a game. But because of rising cases, oh, and also the European Super Cup that was held in Budapest between Bayern Munich and Sevilla had 20,000 fans in the stadium. But because of rising cases, that is no longer the case. In Netherlands, fans have been allowed back into grounds as well. But um, rules, rule, the rules require that they not only comply with social distances, but re- re- refrain from chanting. In Denmark, crowds have also returned, but in very small numbers. For example, 240 fans watched Copenhagen's game against Brøndby. In Brazilian authorities announced their intention to fill their stadiums with a third of capacity, which means up to 25,000 fans for the Maracanã. But there is no set date for this return because of the outbreak. And in Champions League, I think we've all seen as soccer fans that some some teams have. Some games in the Champions League have a lot of fans, and other teams actually have no fans. So I think it's worth noting what's happening there. So like we said, um, UEFA actually set a rule on any Champions League game that 
Um, stadiums must be capped at 30% capacity, even if national leagues allow more. So we've seen that Germany, Leipzig will ha- allow some fans for its game, but Bayern Munich won't. And Borussia Dortmund and Borussia Mönchengladbach also did not. Salzburg had 3,000 fans in the f- first game. And Ukraine, Dynamo Kiev has allowed to have 30% capacity in their stadium. Russia actually allows 50% capacity at their games, but because of the UEFA's rule, they only had 30%. So that can be seen with teams like Krasnodar and Zenit. And... Yeah, and in England and Spain, as of yet, in Germany and France, we've seen that pretty much no games, no fans were at any games. So, and I think the pretty significant news of this weekend was that Premier League is actually allowing fans again for the first time. So what do you think about that, Bob? Yeah, I think it's definitely exciting for the players who have not had fans for, what, uh, half a year now, maybe even more, of playing just with no fans. And I know a lot of them, like, that's their pure motivation. And I know it's hard to find motivation when there's no fans in the stadium and it's just an empty stadium. So I think it's very helpful for the players. Um, And obviously for the teams, too, um, it's definitely not much um, revenue because there's not many fans. But especially now during COVID. I know many teams are struggling um, to, um, to like, to players, especially since obviously all their players are on salaries need to get paid the amount of money they agreed to get paid. And that um, obviously having no fans is obviously a huge, um, a huge, like, fall for, for these teams. Um, who must need to find a way to keep, keep making money. So I don't know if the government helps with that, but I know um, obviously the teams are are hoping they can get uh, more and more fans um, as the season progresses. Yeah, and I know that the Premier League's protocol for the return was actually up to 2,000 fans for only 10 of the 20 venues. So only half the Premier League teams are allowed to have only 2,000 fans. And fans will have to wear masks inside the stadium. And although singing, chanting, and shouting are not formally banned, as they are in other leagues, spectators are being encouraged to moderate their behavior and avoid contact. And the first game to actually have fans was um, West Ham versus Man United, which occurred yesterday on Saturday. And Chelsea, Leeds United also have had fans. And Tottenham against Arsenal will do have fans as well at Tottenham Stadium. Do, do, so that's... Do, yeah. do you think it's unfair that... Because I hear some coaches saying that they think it's kind of unfair that certain teams have fans while others don't. I mean, it's not really... Like we've been saying with all these other teams, it's based on the situation that current city... I think that the medical situation actually outweighs the, say, fairness. Yeah. I mean, outweighs that argument against it. And I think 
all teams would be happy if some teams would have fans because that means the Premier League's gaining a bit more revenue, which is actually beneficial for all 20 teams. Yeah. And if we look at it, I don't think 2,000 fans has that much effect on yeah. a team's performance, if you look at right. it. It's not like 70,000 people chanting a song. It's just 2,000 people yeah. who are really encouraged not even to chant or sing or whatever. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think I heard a couple of coaches saying that they they think the leagues should wait until everyone's allowed fans um, to bring fans in. But like you said, I think it's important. Like it, it, it the decision should be, just be based off of where the stadium is and the cases in that area, and then or in that city, and then yeah, I think it's also important that they try, try start to like integrate fans into stadiums like as soon as possible so i don't think they should wait i think it's good now yeah i mean it's beneficial for everyone involved because especially 2000 fans in a 70,000 seater is not it's very they're very capable to distance and keep precautions yeah. so i think the fact that england allowed it is very beneficial for both british people and the teams in the league itself. And how is the situation right now with non-professional leagues as of now? Yeah, well, for non-professional leagues, I know that, uh, well, in, in Canada, there's no there's usually no fans allowed even on the field. So it's just the players, players get on, do their health check or whatever precautions they need to take for COVID get on the field and then all parents or any other fans need to need to keep their distance and stay off the feet or outside of the area in their cars or something. Yeah. And have you actually been playing other teams or do you still do scrimmages against your own team? Uh, well, the, um, when COVID, um, was at a low, um, I would say, uh, beginning of August, maybe, um, we were actually playing games, uh, friendly games against other teams. So we would kind of be in our own bubble for like a month and face another team for like four times, maybe. And then, um, but then obviously cases got bad again. We went back to just playing inner squad. So against our own team, 11 v 11, but still with contact. And then obviously now that the second wave starting to hit hard, um, we're back. We got. We went back to no contact, and then when we went to lockdown, then just no, uh, no training at all. So that's kind of how it went. Well, that makes sense. Well, I guess that sums up our episode today. A pretty short one, but again, a pretty informative one. A bit of debate at the end. Yeah. As always, we hope you enjoyed. Stay tuned. Next week, we'll have something else. Something other than the pandemic, in case you guys don't want to hear about that anymore. <laughs> so, thank you very much for watching. Thank you, Pablo. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> so, stay tuned, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.